Hey, what up? This is Zach Guilford from Midnight Mass, and you're listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Pop Culture Pastor. Cody, I just wanted to start off this podcast with uh, an announcement. I have an announcement. Did you win the lottery? There are several news outlets in the room for this breaking news. Beep, 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 I beep, am beep. leaving Scooter Braun's management agency. I just want everyone to know that I am I'm out on Scooter. Me and Scooter are parting ways. I'm going with Ariana Grande and Biebs, Justin Bieber, and, and whoever else. But who's the other one? Demi. Demi Lovato and a bunch of other people I don't listen to. Um, well, I'm glad you took this stand. It's very courageous of you. Thank you. Slash, why is everyone doing this now and not like years ago, <laughs> if, if it was such a big deal? It is interesting. It's like, oh, I don't think we're getting the whole story here. That they're um, just leaving and no one's saying why. That's That's a very, I will say this. Super understated and very not now. When someone, like if someone wrongs us, now we're like, we say exactly what happened. So it's weird that they're just leaving and nobody's really saying anything. So if you read between the lines, it's all because of T-Swizzle. Are you being serious or? Well, he has her original recordings. That's why we're getting all the... Taylor Swift versions of the Taylor versions of her old songs right now. But isn't she making more money because of it? She's making a ton of money. And the fans have like backed that play significantly. And so now you like, it's a PR move. Like I'm not with this guy. This guy's the worst. So when he manages these these singers, does he own the rights to all their music then? He didn't manage Taylor. He bought the rights. He bought the rights. He was yeah. smart and bought the rights, and he's made money off of it. He's, oh, sure. He's, he's set. He didn't need those jabronis. He can live off the old Taylor versions because there's fans that are like, well, I don't like the new one. Yeah. And yeah. so. That makes sense. Taylor sings completely different now. It's like the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want the new ones, uh, Lucas. You you keep those. You can keep Hayden out of the end of episode six. I don't need him there. Give me that old guy. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes more sense to have Hayden there. I mean, Give me the old guy. Theoretically, he'd be like, you know, in his 40s, I think, when he died. Granted, you know, getting your legs chopped off. And like melted to a planet, and probably probably hard on the body, hard on the ticker, and the aging process. Yes, but yes. I mean, it makes more sense to see the guy we knew as the young Anakin Skywalker to be at the end. In fact, I, I was one of those people. Not to get too far off the subject, but I was one of those people. I was I was kind of all right with the special editions, except for one thing, and that was Greedo shooting first. That doesn't make any. Why would you change the story like that? That was a Coward move, Lucas. You got called out. It was cowardly. Han Solo was a guy we don't. We're not sure. It's dude on the up and up. He just shot that alien in cold blood, and it was cool that way. And then he changed it, and now I'm you know forever you know white like they just kind of purified him. Yeah, I didn't like that. I don't think many Star Wars fans like that one. That part. Yeah, basic, but. The new song in Jabba's Palace with the ah, 
guy. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was amazing. <laughs> Super. I don't know. All right, this is a pop culture pastor. Welcome. My name is Dave. Cody's here. I am, and uh, it's just us tonight for all the breaking Taylor Swift related news. No, 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 no more Taylor Swift news. I'm going to try to insert all the Taylor Swift news <laughs> in this pod. We are actually going to talk about something mildly important tonight because we've been kind of dancing around the subject for a while. Um, but we saw Blue Beetle. Both of us have seen Blue Beetle since it came out a couple weeks back. Phenomenal. Or a, week, a week back. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I mean, it's good. Let's not. Let's not. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the state of the comic book movie because I think there's enough out there now to say, yes, we're experiencing something. And we're going to try and get to the bottom of it tonight. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, but first I have some, uh, I have some news articles uh, that I'd like to talk about. A couple news items. Yeah. There's, there's some rumors going on out there, Cody. All the rumors. That John Krasinski is in line to play Batman in Andy Muschietti's Batman Brave and the Bold movie, the the one the gun's doing in his in his new universe. That would be brave and bold to cast him. Yeah. Do it, you cowards. So can I can I assume that you're okay with that casting? Oh yeah. Yeah, right? I how come nobody's ever mentioned that before? But now that someone's mentioned it, I'm like, oh, I see it. Like, do it. And now I'm going to name call James Gunn until he does it. <laughs> People have been, been like saying Jensen Ackles. And I was like, no, no. He voices Batman. I know, but he doesn't look like Bruce Wayne. I know. I'm just saying he voices and that's where that's coming from. Um, but John Krasinski, I'm, I'm kind of down with this. Although my friend Jimmy Gunn shot that down. Well, well right. saying that it's something that has been discussed or like official or anything, because there's a strike happening yeah. right now. People. That's all he can say. And we've already established that James is uh, someone who is willing to bend the truth. He just stretches it ever so slightly. Yeah. So I don't know what anyone thought he was going to say, but yes, he, he came out today or yesterday on Twitter, it's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I just don't like the way he answers people, the way he talks to people. It just reeks of ego. You do it, James. <laughs> you are you are completely sold out as a James Gunn honk. This is the hill I have chosen to die on. But why? <laughs> but why? It's because he did Peacemaker? And like everything else he's ever done. Were you a were you Brightburn a big fan was of great. the Guardians movies? Oh yeah, I just didn't know if those were like your favorite. Um, well, I mean, Ragnarok is the best standalone movie, and then like, okay, Guardians is the best series of films. I'll say it within the MCU. Okay, because there, there was some it. shocking Winter Soldier slander in there, and I'm gonna just move past it. But um, I just didn't know you were such a fanboy for James Gunn. I mean, I know you don't shut up about Peacemaker for more than three minutes. Peacemaker was so hilarious and brilliant. Oh, my goodness. One of these days I'm going to go and watch it. 
When you do, you'll be like, I wish I would listen to Cody ages ago. <laughs> this is hilarious. Not appropriate for kids. <laughs> so I, I think we're on the same page. We're, we're okay with John Krasinski. Yeah. Be, being yet another Batman. I, I don't know. This I'm sure this will come up later in our discussion about the comic book. Let's movie have 50 genre. Batman. But yeah, like what are they doing? That'll come up as far as DC and Warner Brothers goes. Um, let's let's uh, talk about another news story. This one uh, I I've been waiting to talk about this one all week. Are you familiar with Zachary Ty Bryan? Uh, the the home improvement kid? Yeah, 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 yeah. The oldest home improvement kid. Hey, yeah. Zachary that, Ty Bryan. Everyone on that show that was a kid had three names that they went by. <laughs> so Zachary Ty Bryan played a bully in First Kid with Sinbad. Mm. And I don't know if it was because of that or because he had three names or because he just kind of looks like a dude. I, I just... I just had my my doubts about him. Um, so, as a pastor, I, I shouldn't say things like that. But no, I don't uh, know, man. On gives home me improvement, the, gives me the chill vibes. At times, he was the the brother that was too cool for school. <laughs> so, I've always had my eye on him. So, uh, Zachary Ty Bryan, who's forty one now, what was charged with felony strangulation and harassment? In an oh. incident with a, a a girlfriend, I guess. Zach, what are you doing? Uh, he's avoided joint jail time by pleading down to two misdemeanors, and with the girl obviously being on his side, as far as you know, not wanting. I don't think she wanted to press charges, but you know how that goes. Yes. Um. He was arrested on July twenty eighth, charged in Eugene, Oregon. With fourth degree felony assault, third degree robbery, and harassment. Oh, so there's a lot going on here. And uh, the the Eugene Police Department issued this statement: uh, "Quote at around 6 p.m. on July 28th, Eugene Police received report of a physical dispute between a male and adult female at a North Eugene residence. The dispute was reported to have occurred several hours prior, and the suspect, identified as Zachary Ty Bryan." <laughs> Still going by all three names. Age 41 of Laguna Beach, California, had left the location. Eugene police subsequently contacted Brian in the area. Brian was lodged at Lane County Jail on a charge of assault in the fourth degree. Uh, so, and that's the end of the statement. So uh, he pleaded down. Now, thoughts? I, yeah, you have thoughts? I need to know, like, what each degree means because like i know first it's like oh we 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 premeditated it and we did it but like f there's four like you only hear about like third degree anything but there's a fourth degree yeah I uh, so i know i'm fixating on the wrong part of the story <laughs> <laughs> but i like now I need to know like what does that mean? I just was convinced by his performance in First Kid that Zachary Ty Bryan was going to have a long career playing bad guys. But I think him actually maybe slightly kind of being a bad guy got in the way of that. <laughs> Not that I'm look I don't know all the facts. I don't know him. So what I think is 
he probably got pigeonholed as you're the home improvement kid. Cause that's how I referred to him as <laughs> and what he really needed was someone from uh, the history channel to reach out to his people. If he still had any buffness whatsoever, he would have fit in perfectly with the cast of Vikings. Oh, if yeah. he had range. I don't know if he has range, mm, yeah. but if he could I mean, fake a Viking accent, he would have looked the part. Look, I mean, if we're being honest, he doesn't have Jonathan Taylor Thomas range. Exactly. I, I mean, you know, and where, where's Jonathan Taylor Thomas these days? Um, he was like a college professor. Nuh-uh. I'm pretty sure. And then he guest starred on one episode of Tim Allen's show that got canceled and got picked up by someone else. But yeah. yeah. Cause it was, uh, yeah, the whole thing. Oh, that's the one the conservatives love. Um, cause he's conservative in the show. He, I mean, the show basically plays Tim Allen's greatest hits. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's smart. Can I that's smart. It's a smart move. Look like a, a stumbling buffoon of a dad. You betcha. <laughs> Can I like have some machismo and then at the end of it learn a lesson? You betcha. So Zachary Ty Bryan getting into trouble, that's that's not a big deal. Uh that's not super newsworthy as far as we're concerned. But um apparently Tim Allen was on a uh a podcast. Not ours. <laughs> and he he started addressing the accusations tim allen's 70 did you know he's 70 he looks good for 70 does he okay yeah i I mean i would have guessed like he was probably just approaching his 60s Mm. i I think it's funny that well let me just tell you what he said uh tim allen said this quote i don't know what's going on with him at a certain point he deviated from the guy i know to somebody who's reaching to situations that i had nothing to do with and can't control I don't know what that means. He goes on. I don't know what happens when people get corrupted. You just don't know. It makes sense. So he had apparently other thoughts to say. I don't know that they all make sense. But insiders, I love this article, says insiders say the comments left Zachary Ty Bryan boiling. Well, get over it. Uh, (laughs) I think that's what Tim's comments meant was like, I have no connection to this guy whatsoever anymore. Why are you asking? Well, because he might be angry because of this. It says Zachary said he's tried to reach out to Tim over the years. He wants to tell Tim to keep his big trap shut. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably why Tim's not answering the phone. We got to get these two men in the octagon. I think that's what's clear. Or on our podcast. (laughs) We could go viral. We could be peacemakers in the middle of their dispute. Slash, I'd if, probably sit next to Tim. If things get physical, you got to get in between them, though. <laughs> you got to get it. You got to be the the muscle. I will use my mental health restraint <laughs> techniques. <laughs> He's gonna mant them. Yep. You're gonna mant them. <laughs> I would. I would pay a lot of money to see you mant restrain Tim Allen. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um. Side note, man, if we could get like a, some sort of celebrity on the podcast, all these celebrities just like talking about whatever on podcasts. It's saying too much, probably. Although Tim really said nothing. 
No, he literally, you're right. He literally <laughs> said nothing. Which, and it did not make, it didn't even make sense. I love it. He's just like, there's someone that here, I'll reenact it for you. They're like, hey, do you want to comment on your former co- co-star and child TV star, your show, your show son on his legal problems? Well, I don't know. When things go south, they usually don't go good. And then when things go bad, and then, who do you really know? Do you know that person? And and what happens when you deviate from the plan? And that just happens how it goes. That's basically nailed what he said. it. Nailed it. Yeah. I thought Tim <laughs> Allen was in studio right uh-huh. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That, that was exactly how it came out of his mouth. <laughs> That's how it all went down, man. Um, I would have made a great court reporter. <laughs> <laughs> we, we clearly need to get some of these celebrities on the pod so they'll yes. say too much that's what you want you want to get them <laughs> say too much and we we're, we'd be good at that because we make people feel comfortable they can open up to us and, and then we broadcast it out to the tens and tens of listeners and then we would be like but we're not gossips yes yeah that's important we're not gossips because we're pastors yes gossiping's bad <laughs> this isn't gossip though. This is just reported news. I mean, that's that, I got that from an article on the I googled it just before we started recording. The Googles. Yeah, so I mean, is it technically gossiping if oh, I guess if we ask him to talk about it, but if I ask him to talk about it from his point of view, it's not gossip. Yeah. Like him to speculate on the situation would be weird do you think we if we got tim allen on we could ask him if he could get jonathan taylor thomas (laughs) i (laughs) want to talk to simba (laughs) (laughs) like seriously that dude's a professor i'm pretty sure good for him that's awesome man because you always worry about those dudes like that dude was easily the most popular of the three home improvement kids like he enjoyed the most success and he was all over the teen, you know, the tiger beat magazine, the girls all dug him. And so for him to have like left the limelight, you'd be afraid you were going to hear this story of, you know, he got into drugs and trying desperately to get back into the limelight. But sounds like he's 41. Yeah. Sounds like he just went on and lived a normal life and good for him. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking now. So they want to talk about him guest starring on various things. Yeah. So while you're looking for that, the third kid. He graduated from Columbia University. Oh, man. So he's smart. Oh, yeah. He's a smart kid. Uh, The third kid, the youngest guy on Home Improvement, actually lived in Lawrence for a little bit. He came to KU for about 10 minutes. Rookie mistake. And I heard all sorts of problems around that guy. Now that, and that's approaching gossip. So that's all I'll say about that. It's just that I've learned in my life where there's smoke, there's fire. When you hear things uh, in in a town, because Lawrence isn't a huge town. When the students are there, I think it's around 80,000. So it's not like Kansas City or Wichita or anything like that. But anyways, yeah, the youngest kid, uh, the youngest kid was a spitfire apparently. So Jonathan Taylor Thomas is a, board member of the sag aftra union oh what is this we got we got jtt and the nanny yeah they're leading the charge (laughs) that's the two people i would have taken from the 90s and put in charge of a union no acting skill required 
I'm sorry. That was mean. That was I was low hanging I, I, I fruit. I take that back. I take that back. I apologize. That was mean, and I'm better than that. <laughs> so, hey, you know, that was fun. Maybe we'll talk about, you know, the cast of The Facts of Life next week. I hope so. Where are they at now? <laughs> I need to know where Tootie is. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with our main subject for this pod. We'll be right back. All right, Cody. So um, we're gonna we're gonna start off. Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. Spoilers coming for Blue Beetle. Yeah, but very quickly because we're gonna just gonna do kind of a mini review because we happened we didn't plan on doing a review for Blue Beetle. I but, did in my heart. But we saw it, and so we thought we'd talk about it, especially given the fact, let's talk right up front, that Blue Beetle um, dis- had a disappointing weekend, opening weekend. For Although it was numero uno. Yeah, but that doesn't tell the whole story. It doesn't. It's, it's probably, I mean, does it have a chance to break even? I don't even know. It costs over, like, what, around $100 million to make? 104 <sighs> And it's, I, I mean... and. Warner Brothers just announced and like Twitter had reactions that September 19th it's on streaming. No. Wow. That <laughs> like these people don't even announce like when the, the movie leaves the theater, when they're going to put it on streaming and literally. So the thing I thought about blue beetle is it had a chance to like get, it, that it wouldn't have a huge drop off for this week because word of mouth, like seriously, like the reviews have been really positive, like from fans and critics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Warner brothers came out and said tropical storm. Hillary had a significant impact on the box office numbers. Do you believe that? <laughs> I believe maybe a couple mil, okay. a couple, a couple million, N- not, like that's not significant not though. 10 or 15 which is what it would have needed like if it started off with the box office of 35 million the week that like a lot of schools are back in session mm-hmm. you come off the huge high of the summer blockbusters because that's july is like when that revs up and is climaxed and now we're back in the the downward trend of movie going like if it had reached 35, I think, oh, this is like a home run. Yeah. Yeah. But where it landed, it's like What this, did it make? Do we know what it made? Uh, you don't know? Because not off the top of my head. I, I want before I say that it's wasn't I first of all, I think we can I think it doesn't matter how much it made, we can agree that a couple million off the total is not significant, quote unquote. Although, disclaimer, if anybody wants to give me $2 million of insignificant money, they're willing to do that. That's great. We'll take that. Might be significant for me and for the pod, but um, no, I don't think so, Warner Brothers. Uh, But it's interesting. All of this is interesting only because the movie was pretty fun. Like, it's a pretty fun movie. And I, I don't know. The sad thing about the Warner brothers brand right now, the DC brand is 
that all of this runs together of what we're going to talk about here of, of 25.4. Okay. Of the comic book movie and where the comic book movie is at there. And the, the problem is, is we're going to have to continually talk about this in terms of DC and Marvel because they're two different contexts really. So DC's side of it is this. I think Blue Beetle was actually a fun movie, but I thought that about Shazam too. And I think the way they've handled this transition has been the problem that's bombed these movies out. Uh, the, it was heading this way. Partially, Before. partially. I'm saying it made it worse by the little hemming and hawing that they've kind of done to try and pretend like, like, so James Gunn came out with his plan. But then someone at Warner Brothers must have thought, hey, you're going to leave these other movies in the lurch. So can you walk that back a little bit? And then they did. They kind of walked it back. Remember, it went from here's our plan. Here's all the movies we're going to do to it's a soft reboot. Yeah, it's a soft reboot. So they walked it back, which is fine. I totally like I'm not I'm not dissing them for that. I get it and understand why a company is going to do that. The problem is, is nobody was fooled. <laughs> Everybody knew these were lame duck movies and that's why they haven't supported them. And, and for the most part, they've been decent movies. I mean, like, look, black Adam was okay, but Shazam two and blue beetle are, are actually fun. Simple. They're simple. They don't rewrite the, they don't, you know, they don't reinvent the wheel. But they're fun movies. Now, The Flash had all sorts of problems. But I would actually say it was fun. It was a ride. So I, the thing is, this is like if Marvel had decided to do an Iron Fist movie. Like, you have fans of Blue Beetle. You have fans of Iron Fist. But that's like tier two or tier three within your superheroes. Yeah. So I didn't expect this to even come close to 25 mil. Because I'm like, who likes the Blue Beetle if you're not a DC person? Yeah. You have to literally be a DC person to even venture into Blue Beetle waters. Let, let's initially. do a what if. Let's do a what if just on our own. Mm -hmm. I think a comparable character in the Marvel library would be Moon Knight. So let's pretend that instead of doing a show, let's pretend that, you know, their, their shows weren't so, uh, you know, high profile. Cause I would say DC has, DC has plenty of shows. They're just not as high profile as the Disney plus stuff, right. which doesn't mean much. Cause not many people are watching the Disney plus stuff either, but let's pretend Moon Knight goes movie. But let's pretend Marvel. So Marvel's been talking. There's been rumors about a soft reboot with Marvel. Mm. But let's let's just go with it for a second. Let's go with the fact that they 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 planned a Moon Knight movie at the height when they were like full steam ahead, and then things started going south. And then by the time they got this Moon Knight movie out, there there there's rumors of soft reboots. How, how do we think Moon Knight would have done as a feature film? detached from the Marvel universe at large, even the old Marvel universe. Yeah. It's got some Easter eggs in it and blah, 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 but it's detached and people expected it'll be detached from the future. How do we think that would have gone? Blade. I mean, 
probably, yeah, probably would have, probably would have been a smaller Marvel movie and people would have been like, what's wrong, man. Oh, Marvel continues to flail. But the problem is, is like, I, I agree with what you're saying. The character's interesting to some people, but not to the masses. And that's the problem. And I do think that you can make it to the masses, especially if you have a James Gunn on board, if this character does indeed continue, just because, like, yeah, fans knew of the Suicide Squad and Guardians, but, like, I haven't met a single person in my life that said, you know what my favorite run of comic books was? It was this particular run from Guardians. Or it was this particular run of the Suicide Squad. Like, Punisher? You betcha. I know people that love the Punisher. They sell out for the Punisher. Venom. I don't know where all these Venom maniacs come from. They just come out of the woodworks. Um, Batman, Superman, Captain America. Yeah, you list off all these people and uh, they will tell you. I really fell in love with this run by this artist or this storyteller. Blue Beetle can be brought to the heights, I think, of a Guardians. Okay, let's let's talk about Blue Beetle. Let's just let's get into that, and um, we're just going to go through it quickly. It's going to be like so a mini great. review. So well, let me. I'll just give you the. I'll seed you the floor, C- Cody. What was good about this movie? Um, it showed, uh, Hispanic, uh, Latin, Latino culture, culture very well. Um, it didn't shy away from the faith dynamic. Like it hit you in the face with the religious imagery. Um, and it relied on humor. There was humorous moments. The strengths of each of the actors they had cast they utilized perfectly. So they didn't make George Lopez have like all these tear jerking moments. George Lopez told funny one liners. That's what he's good for. You bring in a George Lopez for that. Um, You identify that the weakness of blue beetle quote unquote weakness is actually a strength. And the strength is love of family. And that fits perfectly with this particular version of Blue Beetle and the the family dynamic that he would come from and work with. So I I really loved it. There was good action. Um, There wasn't really any lulls in the story. It just, it felt good. It was a good popcorn flick. Like, again... Not Citizen Kane, not The Dark Knight, but well, it was a great movie. And maybe I will say, bold statement, maybe one of the best to take place outside Gotham for DC. Because yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's that much to choose from in that department. Obviously, well, Batman, the, Shazam tons of Batman takes movies. place in Philly, I think. This movie was definitely better than The Flash, in my opinion. It's better than The Flash. It's better than Shazam 2, which I liked. Um, and then Metropolis 
Yeah. And, and Man of Steel, I still think Man of Steel um, could have first, been the first half of Man of Steel. The first two thirds of Man of Steel are an excellent Superman. It fits movie. in well with like, oh, that Dark Knight level of superhero storytelling. Yeah. Um, here, here's what, what I thought was good about the movie. Um, one, it was just fun. It was just a lot of fun and it feels good to go to the movie theater, especially your summer popcorn type flick. And you said it, there was a lot of humor, um, but there were stakes, right? There were clearly oh, yeah. stakes. stakes and it, it, they don't sell out on that. So like, you know, part of the problem we had with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is the stakes don't feel real mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, yeah, they're all beat up, but they win and they just kind of dust off their hands and move on and, and nothing like nothing happens. Like this family loses their home. Uh, they lose their, their dad. dad. I, there's real stakes going on here. And so even then, and even with the stakes and even though you're, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, teared up a couple times which i was not expecting to in a, in a blue beetle movie oh yeah and and so even with all that and there's heaviness it was still fun i still enjoyed the movie and so i really commend the writers and the the people that put this movie together for making just a superhero movie and i think sometimes and i think what marvel's following victim to a little bit is it's getting a little too they're they're outthinking themselves with the whole ongoing story part uh with the new characters with the tying of everything together and instead of just telling tell us a simple story the hero's journey story it's not difficult the one we all like mm-hmm. it's simple it's a simple story just tell it well and i think it, it's going to be guaranteed to at least be a good movie. Like, look, Blue Beetle, we said, you, you said it. It's not Citizen Kane. Yeah. But they don't mess around with the, they don't get complicated. No. And um, honestly, I felt like I was hardly in the movie theater for any amount of time because it was just like very continuous. Like the story kept moving and they're like, there were so many scenes that stood out to me after I got out and I'm like, okay, they did something here. Yeah. And you know, it's not like it's not connected at all. I, th- there's a mid credit scene that clearly uh, leaves a door open for an ongoing story for, with these characters. And Batman's a fascist. We saw that in the trailer <laughs> and I now I'm like George Lopez, <laughs> Quit making me LOL. Um, another thing I thought was good is, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Sholo, Sh- I think it's pronounced Sholo Maraduena, who plays Jaime Reyes in The Blue Beetle. Um, from, Jamie? From Cobra Kai. <laughs> yeah, Jamie. They, they kept saying that, and he's like, it's Jaime. Jaime, yeah. Uh, but he's, he's also in Cobra Kai. And to, if I'm being honest, probably one of the better things about Cobra Kai I mean, I, everyone went to those shows because of the, you know, Johnny and, and Ralph Daniel son. Uh, but if I'm being honest, he becomes kind of the star of that show. Yeah. And, and he's, he's just magnetic. And in this movie, he really gets a chance to kind of like showcase this kind of charm he has. You know, some, some actors, it's not about whether they can act, how, how, 
how good they act, you know? Mm-hmm. For some guys, it's just they're magnetic. Like, look at a guy like Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise isn't, you know, a, he's not going to be a guy at the end of his career that was recognized for being, oh, just an auteur. Just, oh, what an artist, you know? I like, have not seen him do Shakespeare in the park. <laughs> no, he's magnetic, man. We like him. Yes. We like watching him. And Sholo has that quality. There's just something about him that makes you instantly b- brings you into his story. Now, well, moving forward, we'll have to see what kind of range he's got. Cause he kind of plays the same kind of kid who's who he plays in Cobra Kai, just a little bit older. Um, so we'll see, but I thought he was great in this. And when he's on screen, he totally carries the film. Like it, it, he's, he's a star. I think he's a star. Um, you already mentioned George Lopez, but I'm going to reiterate that. George Lopez and the family are wonderful. They're wonderful. They remind me a lot of the family in Miss Marvel. They they do a good thing here. And Miss Marvel had a director uh, that was uh, that would understand the culture, just like this movie had a, a Latino director who would understand the family dynamic. And I thought that was beautiful. It was great to see um, this family exist in a space that maybe, you know, Cody and I aren't used to. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it was great to see this, this different family dynamic and someone living in a different place in a different context and a different culture and to be able to see their struggles. And, 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 and I thought the movie spent a lot of time, which was good in showing those struggles. They didn't just gloss over, um, what they struggle with on a day-to-day basis. Oh yeah. And, uh, the the emphasis on like the multi generational component and that uh, they were uh, some of them legal immigrants into the country uh, was not shied away from and how that story had uh, played a role in what they could and couldn't do. Um, I really loved uh, Nana. Mm. Nana was great. Uh, Nana could preach. Uh, she's like, now is not the time for tears. Now is not the time to be sad. How powerful was that, by the way? Oh, super. And then when it was time, I'm like, oh, keep it inside. Told myself I was going to cry. <laughs> Nana was great. And Nana was a fan of La Revolution. Yeah. Nana was a freedom fighter. Down with the Imperials. She was great and uh, awesome. Yeah, the whole family was acted great. George Lopez, who, if I'm being honest, never really been into his stuff. His stand-up, his TV show. uh, His late-night show. Yeah, wasn't a big fan of his. Now, if I'm being honest, I didn't, I didn't give much of a chance because he just never, he wasn't magnetic to me. He wasn't a draw for me. But watching him in this movie, that was great. I thought he was wonderful. He landed his comedic moments, and uh, we both drive Tacomas. There so you go. So when his taco <laughs> got wrecked, I nearly got emotionally wrecked myself. Um, let's talk about what's not so good. Um... I feel bad for Harvey Guillen, uh, who was referred to throughout as Sanchez, and that is not what his name was in this show. 
because at the end before he dies, he he says, my name is, and then he goes on and says his name. But so he's from uh, What We Do in the Shadows. And on that show, they get his name wrong all the time, except for (laughs) Nandor. But everyone else, because his name's Guillermo on the show, they, they call him Gizmo. And then they're like, he goes missing one episode and uh, they're like, uh, they're, they put out like a police bulletin for him and uh, they're like, what's his last name? And they're like, is it Rizmo? <laughs> and it wasn't. It's Guillermo de la Cruz. All right. I don't watch his show, so. Yeah, so um, I love that he was in this. I felt bad that they butchered his name again and then... Like, he wasn't in it enough for me because I'm like, he's a recognizable face. Yeah. Is that it? That's it? That's the only thing that's not so good um, for you? You don't have any other any other know, critiques? Not really. Okay. Um, I'm going to say the whole, we talked, we hit on it a, a little bit already, but the lame duck aspect of this movie where DC's going in a different direction and it just leaves these movies like out on the vine. And it happened with Shazam, and boy, it really went south with that movie. Um, and it happened with The Flash. Like, I don't care. I, I think you can admit now that it's affected all these movies. And uh, with Aquaman 2, I don't know what they're going to do with Aquaman 2. I, honestly, I do not know how you just don't pull Aquaman 2 right now. Yeah. Um, so I think that it might have had a somewhat of an effect on Shazam. I think Zachary Levi had an effect on Shazam. Yes. Yeah. Um, Has anyone had a larger fall from geek grace than Zachary Levi, by the way? For a moment, Chris Pratt. Yeah. And then. But it's all political based. Yes. And Chris Pratt did Guardians 3 and the holiday special for Guardians. And he's mm. not completely Twi- out of the woods. Twitter still hates him. But. <laughs> People are like, oh, he he did well in it. So, so you better not show your face in Oregon, sir. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but I will say the Flash, def, it definitely had an effect on it, especially, uh, like, I think we can all go back and say, like, if you wanted to do a reboot, Flashpoint was the story to do it with because it would have made sense. Yeah. Barry changed something. It changed everything. And then you don't even have the same Barry show up. You might not even have Barry show up. You just have a voice. Yeah. That would have been cool. Which is why, like, the Marvel rumors about reboot all center around Avengers Secret Wars, which would make sense. Would make total sense. It's That would be their Flashpoint story in that universe. And so it makes a lot of sense to do it around that. And it would have made sense to Flash. Um, it's just really disappointing. Well, with Aquaman 2, you got Jason Momoa out there, you know, talking about how he wants to be Lobo. I want him to be Lobo. <laughs> He's already, like, moving on. And so it's obvious to everyone, yeah, these are lame duck movies. And what makes it sad for this movie is... It's actually a good one. It's a good movie. You do this whole thing where, like, half the time fans are screaming about representation, and now you finally got a movie... With great representation. With great representation, and it's just dying on the vine. And that stinks, man. That stinks. So I think something that will be interesting to watch with this, because it's coming out so quick to Max, is 
what does it pull streaming wise? Now it doesn't help box office totals, mm-hmm. but it then gauges where the the public's at. I do think it there's a chance that it could have a successful stream streaming run. I think that's possible. Cause right now it's looking more like it might get a cult following. Mm-hmm. Now it's hard to say that, oh yeah, it'll have these diehards that we'll be talking about 15 years from now. But um, like it does have people that are like, no, this was really good. Um, and Blue Beetle, again, second or third tier DC hero level yeah. uh, person. But at the same time, you do need some filler stories and not every movie's going to have Batman. Not every movie's going to have Superman, Wonder Woman, or the flash. Yeah. After you get past the big four and green lantern, you then have your next tier and the next tier is fun. Yeah. Um, my only other complaint from blue beetle, and this one's going to be very, oh, um, are you taking, it's, it's going to be very prickly. Shots at Susan Sarandon. Oh, absolutely not. There will be no Susan Sarandon slander <laughs> on this podcast. No, no, no. The actors all did great, I thought. Okay. Um, what I want to say is they they did something great with the representation. We got to see uh, a Latino family, and, and it was wonderful. My only complaint is you played it a little too safe, which I get it. It's Warner Brothers and Marvel, and you're gonna Disney. You're gonna play it safe, but like the whole movie's based around revolution mm-hmm. and 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 imperialism and like this anti-imperialistic type thing, and we never really get into that, which is weird because the whole the villain of the story is a is a Latino man who's been used in war and is still being used by the rich white lady, like. Uh, it's clearly ripe for this, this oh, yeah. take where you could have gone all in on this, but it seemed like it seemed like to me and tell me if I'm wrong, Cody, maybe I'm reading this wrong. It seemed like, uh, we got to make it, we got to make it unthreatening as possible to the white folks. Am, am I wrong? Or, um, or did they play it safe? It felt like they played it safe a little bit. So, I don't know if they played it safe or if they just didn't want to hit you over the head with it. Because there is a fine line of, like, this is the perfect story and the perfect way to tell it. And, oh, this has become, like, all white people are the devil. Kick rocks, white people. There's a way to do it. I know. I mean, there's a way to do it where, like, look, you don't, uh, when I say play it safe, they don't want to make the United States like the bad guy, but here's the problem. Historically speaking, <laughs> the United States has played havoc in Central America and, and, mm-hmm. and the Caribbean for hundreds of years. And it's not like, what, what do you think she's talking about that Nana when she's talking about being a rebel and a freedom fighter? Like, who do you think was on the other side of that? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, they openly talk about illegally immigrating and, and it not being, you know, because there were no other ways and because they, it was hard for them. Like you, you, you had these entries into the story where you could have went the full way and it doesn't like, look, we were white. It doesn't demonize me to talk about the, this mm-hmm. country is a real place. That's not, you know, holy, 
that makes mistakes and, and capitalistic has capitalistic greed. And I'm not a super liberal guy, but I'm all for real history. Yeah. And I just feel like they just kind of pumped the brakes a little bit. They got, but the whole movie's about this kind of like this kind of feel of <laughs> literally the, what I couldn't get over was the bad guys literally using the, the, the Hispanic guy as a weapon of war and and she's basically lied to him, brainwashed him, and is using his body. Mm-hmm. So, I I think that it depends on what the director's motives were. If it was to tell a superhero movie, then I guess you have that more in just the background that you know it's there. They're not hiding from it, but they're not going to make a full out movie about it. Yep. Um, and now if they were like, we definitely wanted this brought to the forefront, you might have missed the mark on that. So it, I don't know what the director's motives were, but um, really loved the, the Catholic imagery in this. Yeah, let's talk about the deeper stuff in it. Um, so like um, we, we, we have the religious iconography in the home, of uh, of the Blessed uh, Virgin, Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, that that's there. Um, when he's knocking on heaven's door, because Blue Beetle, spoiler alert, knocks on heaven's door for a little bit, um, and he sees his dead dad. Spoiler alert: Dad dies, um, and like Dad has this deep, meaningful conversation about what our purpose is and like he hits on a huge biblical truth that like, if you read through the, the gospels that have the birth narrative of Jesus, they, they both uh, Matthew and Luke, they have a genealogy mm-hmm. and like, there's some names in there. You're like, who is this person? Cause they're nowhere else uh, mentioned really. Sometimes our purpose is just to keep the generations going. Sometimes it's just to be a family person. And for that dad, it was, I was called to raise you and your sister up. Yeah. And you are now going to be a hero, a savior-like figure. And then, like, so he he meets the Blue Beetle because he's technically not the Blue Beetle. It's like an alien thing. And they do the creation art thing of the fingers touching. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the Adam. The Michelangelo, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Adam and God touching fingers. Yes. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my goodness, they did it. <laughs> so I was geeking out about that. And my wife's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, I do really appreciate the story and the dad uh, doing what he did and saying what he says, because um, I'm, I'm going to get political for just a minute and I'm a pretty conservative guy, but one place where I tend to differ from a lot of conservative thought is immigration mm-hmm. is immigrants and especially like illegal immigrants, because I, I understand we've got to have borders. We got to have some control over that. But at the same time, uh, the demonization of people who've been here, you know, a a couple generations yeah and 
this movie, and I love that this movie paints this picture of this dad who just said, hey, I'm going to make sacrifices for my family. And it points out this truth that we don't, that gets lost in our political arguing sometimes is that these people you're glossing over and broadly grouping together, they're just people who want what's best for their family and are trying to make a way so that they can get the most peace in their life, you know, like, mm-hmm. and is that really so wrong? Isn't that what we all want? Can't you just see them as those human beings for just a brief moment? And I love that. I, you're right. That whole speech, it was a little hokey where he sees his dad. It, it, it reminded me of guardians three when, when rocket sees, uh, teeths and floor. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it was it, so, cause obviously these movies have been close together, but the heart, felt part of that that you're talking about i just his dad was great and i don't even know who that actor is but it was wonderful and nana is like a breathing walking ecclesiastes chapter three there's a time for everything and when it's that time we do it yes yes who's the winner of this movie cody in this little mini review (sighs) it's so hard to say um the kid from Karate Kid. Yeah, Sholo, uh, yeah. Mara Duena. I Man, I, he's the only one where you can... I'm, I, I think I'm actually going to go with George Lopez. I was going to say, like, if I didn't have, like, some of George Lopez's extracurricular off-screen things in my head, I probably would say that this is, like, a career resurgence event for him. Yeah. And... But then Nana also, like, I don't know who she is, but by George, she had important and, like, pivotal scenes. Yeah. And the actress that played the girlfriend slash daughter of Ted Cord. Mm -hmm. The uh, sister was great, too. Sister was great. Like, there's not very many, like, bad parts or bad acting. Like, Susan Sarandon's great. You forget that she's there. My my only reason for holding back Sholo is because I think Sholo is going to be my loser of the movie because in any other circumstance, this would have been his huge breakout role because he's a superhero and he carries this movie. He's the star. He's the lead. And that's not the narrative. The narrative is this whole situation with it not doing well and comic book movies kind of busting. So for me, the loser is uh, superhero fans or comic book fans that have a bad taste in their mouth Mm -hmm. Um, that uh, were like, well, I'm not going to go watch this meaningless DC project. Shame, shame. I know your name. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe so. It leads to this this final question that we're going to let define the rest of our conversation. What's wrong with comic book movies? Are comic book movies in trouble? Is 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 what's what's happening? Let's diagnose this. Um, we've been pretty clear with DC, but uh, so let's throw Marvel into this mix as well because Marvel has is struggling by Marvel standards. Um, we're coming, they're coming off, uh, str- you know, the secret invasion show, which got its lowest numbers on rotten tomatoes, its lowest viewership numbers. And now we're at this place where guardians, if you take out guardians three as an outlier, what was the last comic book success? 
Okay, you're going to say I call shenanigans, but I'm going to say the two. Cross the Spider-Verse and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, now that's interesting because they're animated. They are. And and now we're looking at a, th- a th- place where, well, maybe live action is not the the way to go. Maybe it's you go you lean into the animation. But let's let's diagnose, um, let's diagnose with what most people are saying. So I, I collected some things about what most people are saying is wrong with the genre. Okay, one of the reasons out there would be the the diminishing returns, the law of diminished returns. Are you familiar with this? Vaguely. So it's that there's always a peak. You have in-game, you have your Infinity War in-game moment where most comic book fans would say this was perfection. This is the, the peak. This is the heights. This is like the culmination of 20-some movies that never been done before. Like you can't get better than that. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm just yeah, saying, I was going to say it's I'm just perfect. saying as far as expectations go, 30 years, 30 years ago, we would have never guessed that. Nobody would have bet on that happening. So you go from that height and you understand that like, okay, now on the backside of that, you're going to get diminishing, diminishing returns because you can't ever get to that place again. You can't ever equal that. It'd be like if you climbed Everest and you had that moment and then you didn't know what was, you didn't know it was the biggest peak. And then you went looking in the rest of the world for another bigger, taller, mightier peak. And then you just never found it, right? Does that make sense? That makes sense for what that says. Yeah. But so, so do you do you put stock in that? Do you think we're just in this place where we're just going to have diminishing diminishing returns and we're never going to equal the heights again? So for me, I'm not going to say that's where comic book movies are yet. For you, me, it's more of a pendulum. Okay. That. Oh, uh, we might be on the backswing where we have to build back up. Yeah. And honestly, the individual movies could be actually better than all the build up towards the end of that led to in game. Yeah. Could be. Not saying it's going to be, but it could be. Um, it's just like in so when Marvel did this, law of unintended consequences. Like, if you're someone that's, I don't know, like a young teenager, if you didn't watch the the early movies and, like, you're going to have to build up. There's, like, 25, 30 movies now. Yeah. And so, like, if you tried to bring in new fans, it's really hard because there's this expectation that I really have to watch all these other movies. And that's not necessarily true because I can say, Oh, like if you want to watch Tom Holland, Spider-Man movies, just go ahead and watch them. Um, Let's be really clear. There's a lot of practical reasons why it might be a good idea to soft reboot. Oh yeah. Um, But for real, like that, I, that's why a lot of people say, I won't try out Doctor Who because there's 60 years of Doctor Who stuff out there. And like, I I don't have time to watch 60 years right, of stuff. Right. And it's like, well, you could start with the ninth Doctor. And Are there people out there that have seen every minute, second of Doctor Who content? So Surely there are. Huh? Scotty would be close. 
like for like people young. Uh, but the thing is, evidently BBC didn't keep like necessarily all the Doctor Who stuff like as they're making it. And there's some that might be lost to the sands of time. So Whoa. unless you were watching <laughs> yeah. it live, it might be interesting. Um, so yeah, I think first of all, the context is different. I don't think DC has hit their peak. It's still no. out there waiting for them to hit that. I think DC, I mean, even if you go all the way back to, you know, the 89 Batman and the Christopher Reeve Superman's, no, they still haven't found that peak yet. It's still out there for them to discover. They literally have not figured out how to, on the big screen, do yeah. this world building well, they did it with Arrowverse, and like it was fun, but like it, yeah. it, it's if, not there. If your understanding is, if you think that Marvel is experiencing the law of diminishing returns, and they're just never going to hit that peak again, well, then I Guardians of the Galaxy three is going to be a weird thing for you to explain because that kind of that movie kind of proves that hey, if you come with the goodness, we will go see it, we mm -hmm. will support it, and so. I think, yeah, they just kind of need to find their way. They've just kind of gotten away from what what it is that audiences actually want, Marvel has. Um, another thing uh, another thing that's out there is attention spans being thinner because yeah. of the glut. Um, is it oversaturated, and do people, therefore, people not care? Um, so I think there are now... Maybe more people that have said, you know what, I'm more of just strictly a Spider-Man guy or I'm more strictly a Thor person. Um, and so maybe that some people have pledged their or pledged their loyalty to one particular brand within the umbrella of Marvel or under the umbrella DC versus like I'm going to watch all these because I've lived through it. I've done it. Um, but I can also see that ah, this is now mainstream where before it was like, oh, this is hip. This is trendy. I'm going to watch it and look at me be a hipster. But now it's mainstream. And so like rom-coms in the early aughts, late 90s, they were all over. I mean, all over the place. You couldn't escape uh, Julia Roberts' If you wanted to, she was everywhere. I, I still get night terrors that Jennifer Aniston's going to show up with a new rom-com. <laughs> and so, I mean, honestly, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so that could be a, a factor. I'm not going to say it's like the, the end all, like this is it. No, it's, there's pro a ton of things that are, poking into this right now that and it will be hard to see into the future whether is this is where we're going to stay at or is it going to diminish even further or will it rebound i think it's fair to say that um that there's a small amount of this taking place from the normies what i would call the yes. normies the people who weren't comic book fans before um that they didn't and, and i think you need the normies to have a billion dollar movie Right. Yes. You need the normies, but they're not the big chunk. The big chunk, I believe, is still your your Scotties, 
you know, your comic geek Scotties of the world who are going to go see these movies like five times in the theater. And that's, that's the people where you're losing with the other stuff. Uh, I think it's fair to say it's a small part, but I don't think it's the big part. Another thing out there, the, the, the effects are getting worse. Okay. So like at first when this complaint like bubbled up, I was like, you know, it really didn't diminish my movie experience that much. But I messaged you and Scotty after uh, watching the new uh, Turtles movie. Or, no, it was after watching Blue Beetle. Um, that the the trailer for the Marvels, Brie Larson when she's floating, it looks cartoonish. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Like, I you might as well just had her strung up with the wires shown. And like her being held up by a wired harness in that way looked better than like what I saw in the trailer and the trailer is like, what's supposed to grab your attention. And I'm like, if this is standing out and like the jokes really aren't landing, I have worries now. Yeah. 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 So I, I would agree the the effects are part of it. Uh, but, but that's into a larger problem of your rushing and you're trying to fit too much in. Right. Yeah. I think the for Marvel's side of the equation, the Disney Plus stuff has complicated everything, which leads us to the next thing that's kind of out there is you have these reactions to the Disney Plus stuff that are worrying. And that's because I think um, and and then you can you can even bring Star Wars into what I'm about to talk about. Mm-hmm. How much how many times can you put out mediocre stuff, mid stuff before you start doing brand damage? I think Star Wars has fallen victim to brand damage. What do I mean by that? I mean by the fact that, like, does it even matter if Ahsoka is good, right? Probably not. It's The, the viewership's going to be low until word of mouth can get out yes. because you've done brand damage. Now, is it irreversible? No, I don't think so. In the case of Marvel, definitely not. But you're doing, putting out a show called Secret Invasion where the writing is junk, uh, the, you, you don't even write the characters consistently from when we've seen them before, and you you water down the story so much because you don't want to pay for the other actors, or the, the ones that play the heroes, and, and so you completely change a story that you stole from the comics and just watered down to a degree. You're doing brand damage. You're taking that large chunk of people, the normies, and you're taking a chunk of the 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 really nerdy comic book fans and you're turning them off. Yeah. So I do think that brand damage in like it's must see movie going experience or must see TV is a real thing. Like, and that could honestly be part of the Shazam to the flash, the uh, blue beetle low box office goings is, Ah, DCEU had some movies towards the tail end of its run that, eh, not worth writing home to mom about. So why would I go to the theaters? And that leads me to my next point, because it ties in with Marvel and ties in with DC both. Streaming is an issue. Mm -hmm. Because... Now both of these are tied to big streaming platforms. So Disney Plus has all the Marvel stuff you could ever have wanted. 
Um, and DC is on Max. They have their own little icon that you can click on. Oh, you like Batman? Here's its own section. And it has all the animated movies. It has all the live action movies. It has the TV series. It has everything. And so, like, literally, if Blue Beetle is going to come out in a month on uh, streaming, why would I go to the movie theater when I'm already paying $15 a month for a Max subscription? Mm -hmm. Like, I can save my $15 that was going to the movie theater and probably more if I got popcorn and a drink and just watch it in the comfort of my own home. Yeah, and then you're circling back to... Am I going to shell out the big money for a movie that I'm not even going to get these characters again? Like, okay, let's look at the flash. We knew it. Ezra's not coming back. They're done with Ezra, which means they're done with that version of the flash, which means no amount of, Oh, he could come back. Hemming and hawing is going to convince people. They know he's not coming back. And that's a problem with these, the characters they're using. So, um, like let's look at it from Marvel's point of view. When, when we lose the old characters, you got some of these guys are aging out, right? They want to go do other things. So you lose Robert Downey Jr. Write him out cause he died, but Chris Evans could still be captain America, but he's just not, he's not, maybe he doesn't want to. I don't really know. But the problem is you replace them with these other characters. And this is why like maybe a soft reboot sounds like an okay idea is because we don't like the, the large mass of people that like these movies, they want Iron Man. They want Captain America. They want Superman. Like, remember when they said they were going to reboot, Flash was going to reboot the universe, and the rumor was that they were going to move forward with Michael Keaton as this universe's Batman and Supergirl? Now, look, Sasha Cow was great as Supergirl in that movie. I loved her in that role. Mm -hmm. But fans don't want no, no Superman. They want Superman. They want Superman... And as many fans that love Michael Keaton as Batman, they want younger we, Batman. We don't need a 70 year old Batman. Right. Knock it off. We want younger Batman. Yeah. And so that's a problem they're facing with all this, too, is this, this idea that you can't have these actors um, on forever. And then you fall in love with actors. And because of the confusion about what well, this, like, you know, people loved Shang-Chi. When are we? Fun. When are we getting another Shang Chi movie? I don't know. <laughs> when are yeah, we ever know. going to explain the giant hand that's sticking out of the ocean? <laughs> uh, that <laughs> one still baffles me. Um, uh, the other big thing out there is it's starting to feel less connected. There's been complaints about it feeling, especially on the Marvel side, it's less connected. Well, it needs to be less connected like, to get reconnected. Let's be really honest, though. There are there's a whole lot of rumbling out there now where you have um, because of the you know, we've heard the rumors of the soft reboot. Marvel's considering this. So sources out there are saying now that Marvel's scuffling for the first time. They're panicking. They don't know what to do. And so they're they're all over the place. And, and you add into the problems with Jonathan Majors, you know, um, legal issues so that they, they kind of sold out on this guy being the big bad of the whole next phase. And now you're having problems with that. Like, yeah. Connection's a problem because that's the other part is as fans, as people who want to see this, we're unsure of if any of this is going to connect. Okay. Because there's Marvel scuffling They're They're trying to turn the Titanic 
And you don't even know if we're going to continue this storyline, if we're going to get anything with it. And who knows? But there's there's all sorts of extenuating some cir- uh, circumstances to all this. And, yeah, that's a problem. You got any thoughts on that? Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that um, there there is some potential pushback on that. I do think that after you have this huge pinnacle event that it's going to feel a lot more separated. Literally, I could not see from Iron Man one in uh, the first Captain America movie that we were going to be building to a world where Thor battles his sister. Like I'm not going, I can't see that far from those movies. Mm -hmm. They're, they're individual. Like there's little Easter eggs or trailers or post-credit scenes that like, okay, these might be kind of connected, but it's might be kind of connected. It's not until you get further in that you're like, oh, this cube that keeps randomly showing up is actually something. <laughs> yeah. So, like, take a breath. I think the last problem is, and this one, this I'm going to say something kind of groundbreaking. I actually think DC this whole time has been in a better position to do what Marvel did. I, Marvel pulling off what they did is kind of impressive because Marvel had ownership issues with their IP, okay? So, for instance, DC, the DC toy box is full. They can use anything they want. There's no question of ownership. They can use whatever they want. And D- DC's problems have been they just tried to rush it. Marvel actually did the th- right thing by spreading it out, you know, basing it around a handful of characters and them coming together slowly and then slowly expanding the universe. But here's the problem Marvel has. Now they've got the Fantastic Four coming. They've got the X-Men in their toy box again. They got Deadpool. And the problem is, is you've had these other characters for so long and you've got actors aging out. Here's the problem. You need Iron Man. You need Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans to come back. My my guess would be, because it makes more sense, you need Chris Evans back as Captain America. Because how much is it going to stink to have Reed Richards in your universe and not have a Tony Stark? To not have to have a Wolverine in your universe and not have a Steve Rogers. Wolverine and Captain America in the comics interact a lot, and it's always awesome when they do. You need these heroes to interact with these new heroes because... If we get the X-Men, there's it's going to be kind of a downer if there's no Avengers. Word. We need all the toys in the toy box. So I do agree DC set up to, to be able to do that. And they have the creative mind that helped shape the Infinity Saga for the movie adaptation of it mm-hmm. uh, with Jimmy Gunn. Well, that's um, why I said with Jimmy Gunn's reboot, they should have started off with a small sliver of the universe. And I said, I, I said this, started off with the Green Lantern Corps. Go out there and then work your way back to Earth. That would have been good. So my last point, this is Go for the it. last point, but um, I'm going to start off with a quote from uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, okay. There's a storm coming, Mr. Wayne. 
you and your friends better batten down the hatches, because when it hits, you're all going to wonder how you ever thought you could live so large and leave so little for the rest of us. Marvel and DC are overspending like bananas. Yeah. Their budgets yeah. are ridiculous. Like, literally, if you go back to the 90s and the aughts, like Blade, uh, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, uh, even the Dark Knight trilogy, like, they're not spending buku bucks. And they're having these decent, sizable returns. Not everything is going to be a billion-dollar movie. Literally, there's only been 51 of them. 51. All time. That's all there's been. And people are expecting, well, every movie has to make a billion dollars from Marvel, because if it doesn't, it's a complete failure. No! Knock it off! Like, expectations way too high for box office gross, and the cost that they're, or the money they're pouring into these is like foolish the amount that they're pouring in like get some up and coming actors get some up and coming writers it, it will bring life into your movies and it will be cheaper and then you don't have to make a billion dollars be satisfied with the 300 million dollar box office you have and the toys that get sold cuz that's where a chunk of your revenue's coming from anyway yeah, I think what you're hearing us say is, no, we don't think that the comic book market is is done. We don't no. think that it's oversaturated or played out. I think uh, you know we're just waiting for the kind of the companies to find it again. I, the confusing thing is is that DC and Shazam two and Blue Beetle has made a couple good movies, but the conversation out there is that they're trash, and that's weird. Now, granted, the DC crowd is toxic in a lot of ways like the dc fandom's pretty split because of how they treated Zack snyder warner brothers yeah so bronies uh there's star wars is a pretty split fandom pretty toxic at times i don't think i think marvel could be heading that direction they've got a different kind of context but um the people with their taika ytd slander Well, he may have earned that. No. He may have earned that. Okay. So How the dare key, you? <laughs> the key for DC at this point is just get through this last run of movies and Superman Legacy better hit. Because if it doesn't, James Gunn's gun, now, even though this these aren't his movies, he's taking L's in, in the public sphere. He's taking L's. So Superman Legacy's got a hit for him. Um, for Marvel, I think things are even a little more dire. If Loki season two is not good or is met with meh. I'm concerned because they like have a very open partnership with McDonald's. <laughs> That's not a good sign. <laughs> I'm loving it. So like you're using McDonald's for your promotion of the show. Listen, comic book movies came presented maybe one of the best burger cross promotions with McDonald's ever when Batman and Robin came out and then McDonald's had the hero burger, which was amazing. And it was served on like a hoagie and it had two patties and two different kinds of cheeses. Oh, they had great glasses for that movie as mm-hmm. well. And cause that was our fancy drinkware. Yeah. They need to go back to the collector glasses. I miss those. Yeah, I do too. Uh, pizza hut used to be a big, 
big win on those. Yeah. Go back. You can't lose with the glasses, the collector glasses. Bring out the fancy drinking wear. <laughs> hey, honey, uh, dig out the uh, Empire Strikes Back glasses. You know, <laughs> it's good stuff. All right. What do you guys think? What do you what do you all think about where comic book movies are right now? Is it is it are they played out? Or do you think they still got more gas in the tank? Uh, tell us what you think on the social media posts for this episode. As always, make sure and subscribe. We got a lot of uh, fun things coming up. Our 100th episode is coming up. What? We'll have a new watch along coming up. And, you know, like, look, Loki season two is coming up. So, you know, connect the dots. I'm connecting them right <laughs> now. <laughs> we got a lot of fun stuff on the way as, uh, you know, we just love it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, tell your friends, uh, turn other people onto the pod, all that jazz. We'll see you next time. Pop culture bastards.